0: Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Amen, there we go, nice long reading. Um, Let's pray, shall we, let's pray. Um, Do keep it open, page uh, 185, page 185. Lord God, as uh, Moses said those words, Hear, O Israel, uh, we pray that each one of us would hear, that we'd hear you speaking, into each of our lives. We'd hear you speaking into the life of our church. And we pray that you might do that by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, if you were here, one of the things that I referred to was the Barbie movie and uh, the end scene of the Barbie movie, I'm sure many of you have seen it, uh, where you have uh, Barbie and she's with uh, Ruth Handler, who was the creator of the original Barbie doll and uh, Barbie, she chooses uh, to be alive. She, She chooses to be a real person at the end of the movie uh, rather than an impossibly proportioned plastic doll who lives in a world where every day is a great day. And uh, in that end scene, uh, where you've got uh, uh, Ruth Chandler and Barbie, you've got Creator and Created, uh, the end scene is uh, got a backing track, uh, this sort of almost haunting, but really beautiful piano-based ballad by Billie Eilish called What Was I Made For? What Was I Made For? And really, over this 4 weeks uh, uh, series, this uh, Vision for Life sermon series, we're basically trying to answer that question. What are you and I made for? What is our vision for life, both as individuals, but also sort of collectively as a church? What are we, together as HTC, what are we made for? Uh, And last week we saw that first and foremost it is about a decision to choose life. For, For us the created to choose a life connected to our creator as we believe in Jesus Christ as Lord. Now, um, the book of Deuteronomy, if if you like, it is really the sort of first ever sermon series that ever existed on the planet, basically, Deuteronomy is. It's basically Moses giving three sermons and then Moses giving two songs, okay? Uh, In this sermon series, I'm giving four sermons uh, and you'll be pleased to hear absolutely zero songs because it would be a disaster if I did that. Um, But um, this sermon series, the sort of the key verses are the final words of Moses' final third sermon, the grand finale, uh, where he says, and you'll remember this if you were here last week, uh, Christian was so excited about it, she was gonna read these words as well, um, and they were this, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. And then just look at those verses. Look at how Moses continues. Just the line down, the start of the new sentence, he says, for the Lord is your life. Now, we just said farewell to Tim. Tim going off to, um, to be the vicar of this great church in Bristol. And I think it is such a great name for a church. It is called Central Central, not just because the building is right at the very centre of Bristol, but because the church recognises that they want to have Jesus central in their lives and they want Jesus to be central in that church. And really that phrase in Deuteronomy 30, the Lord is your life, it's all about that. It is about choosing you and I to have the Lord central. It doesn't say the Lord is a bit of your life. Or, or, you know, the Lord is your life between 11 and one on a Sunday. Or, or the Lord is the 17th most important thing of your life. No, it says the Lord is your life. He is central. And really today, what I wanna try and do is to, if you like, answer four questions from Deuteronomy 6 that Christian read for us. Uh, uh, the questions that are all about this idea of Jesus being central. And the first question is this, why? Why? Why should God be central? Why? Well, look at how chapter six, verse four begins. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. And as many of you will know, where our English Bibles have that word um, in capitals, L-O-R-D, the Lord, it translates the name Yahweh, which means I am who I am, which is how God introduced himself to Moses at the time of the Exodus. And the idea was that forever after, when anyone said that word, Lord, Yahweh, it would immediately bring to mind what he had done for his people in the Exodus, how in his love, God had stepped in to rescue them from slavery in Egypt and into a relationship with himself. Just as the name Jesus now immediately brings to mind for us what Jesus has done in dying for you. How Jesus, in love, he stepped in to rescue you in a way that the Exodus is merely pointing forwards to. How Jesus rescued you and I from slavery to sin and into a relationship with himself. So why should God be central in our lives? Because of what he has done. And because he is one. He's one. Just look at how verse four continues here. O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And if you've got a physical Bible, just look at the footnotes at the bottom of the page. You'll see that phrase. It has the idea, the Lord our God is one Lord or the Lord our God is the Lord alone. It's saying God, he is the one and only God. I remember when one of our children was uh, telling their friends how they supported eight football teams, okay? I support Chelsea and Man City and Man United and PSG and Barcelona and Portsmouth, great team, and a few others as well that I can't quite remember. It doesn't work like that, does it? Because the whole point of being a football fan is exclusive devotion to the one club. And it's the same for God. He demands our exclusive devotion. He must be central because he is the one and only God. In fact, if God were a football team, well, no other football team would exist. God is the only team in existence. As is often said, Jesus, he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. So why? Why should God be central? Because of what he's done, rescuing us, and because he is one. He's the one and only God. And that's why that the next verse, if you like, gives the answer to our next question. Not why, but how. How should God be central in your life, in my life, in this church? How? Answer, verse five, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And the key word there, as you look at verse five, the key word is the word all. If, if this God, if he has loved me, if he has rescued me, if he is the one and only God, then he deserves all of me, all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, not just a bit of it. And of course, Jesus, when Jesus was asked, what is the most important commandment of all? What does he do? He quotes our reading. He quotes the entire reading that was read for us. You can see it up there in Mark chapter 12. Jesus quotes it all. Deuteronomy 6, verses four and five. In a relationship, people sometimes say, are you all in? You know, are you all in? Are you committed? Or are you hovering around? Are you hedging your bets? If you're seeing, seeing if there's a sort of better offer out there. No, we're to show our love for God by saying, I'm all in. One of my favourite old stories is of a, um, a, a young boy who was very moved by a talk that he heard in church. And he, he, he wanted to respond to all he heard by showing his love for God and after the talk had happened the collection plate was being passed round and so the boy looked in his pocket to see what he could give uh, to to sort of show his love for God and he didn't have any money in there and sort of with the sort of famous five kind of vibe in his his pocket was a conker a pen knife and a snotty old handkerchief he didn't think those were sort of quite the right things to put in the collection plate so uh, as the collection plate came to him he stood there for a moment Uh, he hesitated not quite sure what to do how to show his love for God And then after a moment, he put the collection plate onto the floor and he stepped onto it. And you know, that is a brilliant picture of what it is to have all in love for God. To say to God, I don't just give you a bit of my life, but here I am, all of me. I want uh, my job, my relationships, my talents, my time. I want my heart, my soul, my mind and strength. I want all of my life to be demonstrating my love for you. I'm all in. Billie Eilish sings, what am I made for? And this is the answer. This is what you and I are made for. We're made to live out an all-in, all-encompassing love for God, our love for God is central. And yet and yet we, we, we need to be realistic, don't we? Because you and I know that there are plenty of things in our lives that stop us living out this all-in, all-encompassing love for the Lord our God. And in fact, this chapter of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6, it points to three things that can stop you and I from God being central in our lives. Three things. Here's the first one. First thing that stops us having God central is comfort. Comfort, you and I being comfortable. Just look on to verse 10 of chapter six. What does Moses say? He says, "When the Lord your God brings you into the land He swore to your fathers to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you didn't build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you didn't provide, wells you didn't dig, Vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. It sounds delightful, doesn't it? Uh, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt out of the land." Of slavery, You see, when things are comfortable for us, when we have all we want, the danger comes that we focus so much on the gifts that we forget about the giver. We forget the Lord, verse 12. And not all of us here, no, of course not. Not all of us, but some of us here, we will be pretty comfortable. In this large flourishing city of, of Clapham with plenty of vineyards and olive groves in the form of friends and church and coffee shops and entertainment and disposable income, if we're honest, we're pretty comfortable. And particularly for us, we need to watch out if our comfort is causing us to forget God, to think that we can Uh, do and we can act uh, if if I'm in charge of life and I can do it without God. If you were to read on to Deuteronomy 8 it will come up on the screen. Uh, Moses says the same thing again. Uh, He says in our comfort this is what might happen. He says your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God. You may say to yourself my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me but remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Moses is saying, in the comfort, don't forget God. Second thing that can stop God being central in our lives, not comfort, but culture. You know, we're told about it time and again, aren't we? We're told we live in a post-Christian world. Uh, The culture in so many ways pushes us to abandon God. We're told, leave God behind. We're post-Christian. We don't need him anymore now. And yet, wind the clock back 3,500 years. It was no different back then. Look at what Moses says as he continues. Verse 13, he says, Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. You see, the culture really, that is the gods of the people around us. That is our culture. The gods of the people around us. Our culture screams for our attention. And every single one of us on this planet, we are inherently worshippers. Every human being lives for something. And you and I, we may not be tempted to worship Baal, the Canaanite god of rain and thunder, but some of us worship the right holiday with the right weather conditions, don't we? Uh, We may not be tempted to worship Anat, the Canaanite goddess of war, but some of us, we worship victory, we worship success, whether for our sporting team or in our career progression. We may not be tempted to worship Astarte, the Canaanite goddess of love and fertility, but some of us, we worship sex or we worship that one special person in our life or we worship the desire for that one special person in our life or we worship the well-being of our children that us and our special person have produced together. Every human being, we live for something. We attach our identity, our purpose, our sense of flourishing to that one thing that we worship most, that we love most. And the problem comes when you and I begin to abandon God. The problem comes when we we, we seek to get horizontally, we seek to get from our culture what we were only ever meant to get vertically from our one and only God. You see, the culture following what other people follow worshiping what other people worship, the culture can cause us to abandon God. And then the third thing, the third thing that can stop you and I from having God central in our lives in addition to comfort, in addition to culture, the third thing is crisis. Just this last week, I've met with um, a couple of people in in the church family who are both going through through really tough times, crisis times. One's health-wise, one is work-wise. And you know, as I met with these two individuals, the temptation for both of them, they're wonderful people, but the temptation for them was to doubt God. The temptation for them in their crisis was to think that God no longer cared for them. You see, that is the temptation for the people of Israel back then as they are wandering in the wilderness when they had no water, when they were desperately thirsty, the temptation to doubt God. That's why as you read on in verse 16, Moses says, do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. And if you were to read back in Exodus, Exodus chapter 17 explains what was going on at Massa. It's coming up on the screen. What Moses is remembering when he says that. Look at what he's remembering. Verse Exodus 17 says, but the people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? They're in crisis. And Moses called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? See what's going on there? In the crisis, they saying, is the Lord among us or not? Has he, has God, has God actually abandoned us, they're saying? And so they doubt God, we think God has left us, that God doesn't care for us. So you see, those are the three things, I think, that can stop God being central in your life and in my life. And here's the thing. I would wager that every single one of us here recognizes that one of those three things is a relevant challenge for us now. Every single one of us, I would wager all of us, there is that temptation, there is that challenge for Jesus to become less central to you because of comfort or because of culture or because of crisis. And it's that reason why we need to answer the final question. What helps us keep God central? What helps you and me? What helps this church? What helps keep God central in our lives? Now, first of all, I'm gonna answer that very practically. Uh, One of the uh, things that we've done for this sermon series is we've produced a sort of bespoke uh, web page for this sermon series. And uh, up on the screen is gonna come a QR code or uh, you can type in a visionforlife.org and I encourage you to do it right now. Use the QR code or get get your phone out, use the QR code or type in a visionforlife.org. Don't type in visionforlife.org, it'll take you to an American Christian sports radio, Um, but uh, type in a visionforlife.org and you will get to the right page or use the QR code. And as you do that, uh, I'm, I'm not gonna go through it all now. We're gonna see it come up on the screen as well. So if you haven't got your phone, you should still be able to see it. But I just wanna take a moment. I wanna take a moment to go through uh, these, um, th- the first of these three boxes. You'll see there at the top of the page when you get there, it says five things. And you see, as a church family, I, I wanna encourage us all. I wanna encourage each one of us, everyone belong. Everyone grow, everyone pray, everyone serve, and everyone give. And I'm just gonna look very briefly at the first three of those boxes now. So if you press the belong one, uh, you'll see there's three things under there. First of all, there's first fruits. We've mentioned it before, many of you all have heard it. If if you've been at this church less than a year, I would so encourage you to book on for first fruits, totally free, two Thursday evenings. It is a great way of beginning to feel like, yes, I belong, I'm at home in this church. Uh, So first fruits. Second one there, the weekend away. Weekend away, Uh, we had over 450 of us uh, earlier this year. We've got the church weekend away next year, 2024, end of June, and... um I would encourage you to book on this weekend. It's a great place where you will feel that you belong in the church family. And the advantage of booking on now or indeed until next Wednesday, I think it is, you can benefit from the mega early bird rate. Very simple. You just need to pay 50 quid now and that guarantees you to to keep with the mega early bird rate and then you can pay the rest of the amount for you. Or if you're here with your family, booking on for the whole family, for the rest of your family as well, just need to pay 50 pounds now and you can pay the rest of the amount, whatever it is. It is in equal instalments over the next 10 months up to the church weekend. So I'd encourage you to book on to that. And then the third thing there is hubs. Uh, The hubs have grown and grown. There's loads of sports ones uh, you'll see there. If you press on there in terms of try a hub, uh, you'll see there's loads of sports ones. Our sports ministry, Clapham Saints. It is so easy. You just go to whichever sport you want. There's a whole list of them there. Uh, And it is a great way. You can join the WhatsApp group for that sport. And it's a great way of you belonging, getting to know other people, but also inviting friends along to belong in the church as well. So you go onto the WhatsApp for Touch Rugby. There's 300 people on that one. Uh, There's 50 people on the Dips and Swim one there are a few non-sporty ones such as Clapham Sings the contemporary choir starting again after a summer break tomorrow night you can join whichever whatsapp group you would like to and they're all there to help with belonging help other people belong to and as we belong it helps us not to abandon God so that's everyone belong second one everyone grow everyone grow connect groups they are the building blocks in our church we long that every single person in this church is part of a connect group a midweek smaller group doing life looking at connecting to God connecting to each other connecting out in mission and if you're not in a connect group yet can I encourage you to press that button where it says join a connect group and you'll see if you press that button there are a sort of two new initiatives that we're doing uh, the first one for most people is connect group central if you are not yet in a connect group we would love you to sign up for connect group central then you can Come at the normal Connect Group time, Wednesday evening, 7.30. You come here to church. Ed and Sarah will be here. And you're a part of Connect Group Central for maybe two or three weeks. Uh, and you're doing the Connect Group, but they're also going to work with you on what is the best of the 40 or so Connect Groups that are spread across South London. What's the best group for you to join, depending on you know which service you go to, uh, where you live, that kind of stuff as well. So um, book into Connect Group Central if you're not yet in a Connect Group, unless... Um, Pretty much everyone wants to do Connect Groups in person, but the one group that's actually it's perhaps it's more tricky to is parents of little children in terms of babysitting costs, all that kind of thing. You'll see there, there is also an online families Connect Group as well. And if that's you, uh, if you've got uh, young children, it's difficult to get out uh, because of that, uh, then press that button and uh, you can find out all about that. So Connect Groups, that's the main way everyone grow, but for some people, uh, it is Alpha. We heard about that from Zim and Ben, uh, Come along this Tuesday Uh, morning. uh, There were 15 people in week one. Evening, there were 50 people, uh, 50 guests in week one. Come along for week two. It'd be so great to see you this Tuesday. You can book on using that button. And then finally, um, everyone pray. If you see there, there's four things under the prayer bit. The prayer meeting, first Wednesday of every month. Uh, It is the most important meeting outside of a Sunday that we have. Uh, the upper Zoom, why not book on for that? Book on for an hour's slot um, as uh, we have the upper Zoom. We pray into the vision that God has given us as a church. Uh, HTC Pray, do you know about HTC Pray? Are you one of the 250 members of this church who receive a daily uh, WhatsApp Uh, prayer point to pray in if you're not just type in that phone number there uh, that you'll see there write the word pray in a WhatsApp message to that phone number you'll get added to the list it's a broadcast list your phone number will not be invisible to other people and you will receive one thing to pray for each day and then the final thing there HTC Daily HTC uh, Revival Prayer Uh, those are two great things you can join as well so loads of stuff there okay it's really practical It's really important. It's all there to help you and I keep Jesus central in our lives. I want you to sign up. I want you to book in. I want you to do all those things. But you know, none of those things are the most important thing. For you and I to keep God central, they are great things, but they're not the most important thing. So for the final four or five minutes, I'd love you to just place your phone down again, if you could. Um, And I want you to listen up to what I think is the most important thing that will help you and I to keep God central in your life. And it's not doing any of those things I've just shown you. Rather, it's this. It is understanding the reason why God loves you or perhaps let me rephrase that, I should say it is understanding that there is not a reason why God loves you. Okay, let me be clear. God does love you. God loves you. God loves me, but there isn't a reason for it. Let me try and illustrate that with um, using Susanna and my marriage. Suppose Susanna was uh, doubting my love for her okay maybe you know I hadn't shown her much physical affection recently maybe I've been quite distant from her whatever it was and she came up to me and she said darling do you love me darling do you love me now how do you reply to that here are some bad replies okay let me give you some bad replies okay uh, darling of course I love you you are, you, are, you are so excellent at organising my life when I'm disorganised. You're so excellent at making sure the fridge is stocked full of food. Uh, you are so organised and I, that is why I love you. Okay, that is not a great reason, okay? Don't do that one. Well, darling, I love you because you're so beautiful. You know, only this last week, this is true. Two people have come up to me and they've said, um, Susanna must be 10 years younger than you uh, because she looks so much younger than you when actually we're exactly the same age. Um, (laughs) uh, um, uh, Darling, you're so beautiful. That's why I love you. Again, not a great reason. Darling, I, I so love you because you know it's great that we can get your income and my income. And we can put them together and then we've got more money. Darling, that is why I love you. Okay, I love you because of your talents. I love you because of your looks. I love you because of your money. That is not real love, is it? No, real love says I love you because I love you. And I will always love you whether the amount of your talents, your looks, your money goes up or down, is non-existent. I'll still love you. And just look, it's gonna come up on the screen at what Moses says in the next chapter, chapter seven, about God's love. This is Deuteronomy 7, verse seven. This is what he says. He says, The Lord did not set his affection, his love, on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors. You see, that is true love. God says to the people back then, He says, I don't love you because you're the greatest because actually you're pretty small. I don't love you because you're the richest because actually you're pretty poor. I don't love you because you're so powerful because actually you're pretty weak. No, I love you because I have chosen to set my love on you. And God says the same thing to you and God says the same thing to me. He says, I love you because I love you And you know it is when we know that we are loved for no reason, when we know that we are loved because there's nothing sort of special in us that means that we sort of deserve God's love, but still we are loved by God anyway. When we know that, well, it is so liberating, isn't it? Because if we have never, ever earned God's love in the first place, then we can never unearn God's love either. Culture cancels us if we put one step wrong. Comfort seduces us in and then all too suddenly can just spit us out. Crisis gnaws at our very soul. But the love of God, as we'll sing a little later, the love of God is like a mighty ocean. His love for me will never stop. You see, in Jesus, connected to Jesus Christ, we can never unearn God's love. God's love, it is so liberating for you and me. It's so liberating and it is also so enlivening because it gives us life. It is the very grace-filled nature of God's love for us that spurs us on to want to be people that belong and grow and pray. It's his love for us. I love you because I love you. It is his love for us that is central in causing you and I to put Jesus Christ at the centre. Amen.